Diamond, D-I-A-M-O-N-D. A precious gem of the most valuable kind, when pure it is clear. Diamond, D-I-M-O-N-D. A family name bringing traditions of love, hard work, and moral values. This is the Diamond Education Podcast. With my mom and dad, Johnny and Kelly England. We had such a great time talking with Adam Halesome from Williamsburg Learning that we had to split our conversation into two episodes. In this episode, we discuss the difference between learning what to think and learning how to think. Next week, we will discuss the different modes of teaching that Williamsburg uses in their online model. We hope you enjoy. Hi, welcome to the Diamond Education Podcast with John and Kelly England. And we're excited today to have Adam Hellstone with us from Williamsburg Academy. Um, we are here to help you discover the most valuable education for your child. We're excited to have Adam on. Adam is, a pa- is passionate about building a vibrant and expanding community to support your student in their adventure through online learning. In his words, I love inspiring parents and students to get a great education and overcome the barriers in their way. My role directly aligns with my life's mission, so it's as much a calling as it is a career. Adam joined Williamsburg in 2010 as a mentor and has designed and taught much of the Williamsburg curriculum. He has presented talks on alternative education throughout the U.S. and Canada and loves finding creative ways to expand and enhance the Williamsburg tribe. Adam holds a B.A. in uh, in liberal arts from George Wythe University. He lives with his wife, Laura, of 13 years, and his son, Emmett, in Denver, Colorado. And Adam loves wrestling with his son, hiking, reading, discussing, CrossFit, cinema, and making delicious food for family and friends. Adam, welcome to the Diamond Education Podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. This is so much fun. So, Adam, what is education? Yes, education. Okay, so... um let me, let me contrast this against kind of what it's not. What I believe education is not is just gathering of information. Um, gathering information uh, could be useful, um, but only insofar that it is useful specifically to the health and well-being of people is it education, right? And so, and so often our modern education system is testing gathering of information and that's its purpose, as if they are the same. And they're truly not. Education, information that actually brings you um, wisdom or knowledge to improve your life, improve your family, improve your community, improve your nation, improve the world, that's education. And I think we really need to reconcile with that, that that just gathering information is not, that, that's, that's akin to memorization, which may or may not be useful, depending on what it actually is. Right. No, oh, wow. I love that, Adam. Yeah, that's a really good, I think, answer. And so I'm actually going to jump around a little bit because you, you've done a lot with like alternative education and you've been working with Williamsburg Learning since 2010. Yeah. Um, so what has prompted you to begin your path of discovery into alternative forms of, of educating children? Yeah. You know, and by alternative, I mean the non-traditional public school method, right? That's, exactly. That's the alternatives yeah. to those. You know, I, okay, so I, um, as a teen, I, I got into Brigham Young University in Utah, and um, and I was about to start attending there, and I heard a guy named Oliver DeMille speak and uh, at, um, at a conference, and I was really wowed by him. 
And he challenged this idea. He challenged me and the, the audience with this idea that the education in, in part is about learning how to think, not what to think. And that phrasing alone, it, it like detonated in my brain. You know what I mean? It was like, oh my gosh. And really, let me even go a little bit further back. When I, um, when I was 12 years old, my parents actually put me in, into a, a, an alternative ed school. It was called um, Benjamin Franklin Academy. It was kind of out there, uh, a little bit unique. It was really kind of more designed to be like an assistance program to homeschoolers and, and, and just very, very different. And I mean, that was the Wild West. It was the 90s of alternative education, you know what I mean? Trying yeah. to figure things out. I went in and it was kind of taught by these like, forgive this phrasing, but like it's kind of crunchy conservatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they were they were kind of hippies yet conservative. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting mix. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and the first thing they said, I mean, literally, like in the first class, the first thing that they got up and said was like, we only want you to learn if you want to learn, which sounds um, wonderful. Yeah. Right. Sounds wonderful. But to my 12 year old brain, I was like, huh, you're not going to make me learn. <laughs> you're not going to force me to learn. And I literally uh-huh. raised my hand. I was like, so what do you mean? Like, if I don't want to learn, can I just like, like go outside? And they're like, yeah, you know, stay on the campus and stay around here. But yeah, go outside. <laughs> so the next day I brought my skateboard. I went outside. I would sort of sneak off the campus and there was this like basketball hoop across the street and I'd go play basketball and these like factory workers would come join me and I'd play basketball half the day. Uh-huh. I just messed around. They they even had, which is really weird too, couches in the bathroom. Oh, wow. Interesting. And yeah. so it was, you know, my adult self says that's so gross, but it my, <laughs> my 12 year old self was like, what a great place to take a nap. And I'd go in there and I would take a nap. And I literally for an entire school year did not engage in education. Uh-huh. And um, anyway, so what happened was I, that summer I'm hanging out with my best friend. Uh, his name is Ryan. Ryan and I were kind of stat geeks. We love statistics on pretty much anything we did. And we love like looking at stats from like the NFL and the NBA and things like that. We always did all these statistics. And anyway, he came to me and he was like, oh, I learned how they do QB rating, which is basically combining together nine different statistics into one number. And the higher the number, the better the quarterback, basically. Right. And it takes some basic algebra, maybe pre-algebra to do that equation. That's it. Uh And that year, I really should have been learning pre-algebra. And he learned it that year and I didn't because I was messing around, right? So he's like walking through the equation and and normally he and I would just totally get it. And I had no clue what he was saying. I was like, what? I don't get it. And I could not compute what he was. And all of a sudden just my brain was like, oh my gosh. And for the first time in my life, I felt honestly dumb. Not like I had done something that I was like, oh, am I dumb? You know, I really felt happy about that. I was like, oh, no, I'm dumb. And so I made some excuse like, oh, my mom needs me. And I left and I was like walking home and it like dawned on me. I was like, I wasted a whole year sleeping in a bathroom. Like, (laughs) What did I do? What did I do? So I go home and total psychological projection projected right onto my mom. Mom, why'd you put me in this crazy school? These hippies, these what, what, you know? blaming her for everything and she's like well let's go down and 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 talk to the counselor and the counselor was this guy named larry hill old marine 
right? In his 60s, just still just huge, you know what I mean? And just yeah. back in his 60s, just anyway, he he brings me in and he says kind of what a lot of adults will say to kids like, well, Adam, you know, don't worry about it and you, you'll be great. And if you just put your, you know, and I was like, and I wasn't buying it. I was like pushing back against everything he said. And he goes, finally, he goes, Adam, what are you really worried about? And I was honest. I was like, I think I'm dumb now. Like I wasted a whole year. And he's like, Adam, if you put your mind to it, you could, you know, you could get a year ahead. And I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'll get two years ahead. Some, some jerk statement like that as a, as yeah. a well, I think at this point I'm 13. And he's like, that's kind of how all 13 year olds are, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, I was like, oh yeah, maybe we'll get two years ahead. And he goes, hmm. And he goes up to this whiteboard in his office and he literally starts jotting out. I'm 13 at this point. So he starts jotting out like a three-year plan for me to graduate two years early. He's like, here's everything you would need to do. And he like, doesn't look at me for like 10 minutes. He's just putting this whole three-year plan together. He's got three columns. He's doing, he's erasing stuff and adding stuff and moving stuff around. You know what I mean? He's doing all of that. And he's like, boom, he's done. And he turns to me and he goes, what do you think? And to this day, I have no clue why I said this at that age. I just said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and for the first time in my life, I went to work, right? I went uh -huh. to work on my education because I decided to own it. It was mine, right? Uh -huh. I'm going to do this path. I'm going to go get this thing done. I worked my tail off the rest of that summer. I worked my tail off over the next three years and I graduated um, three years early. The reason why I tell that story is to come back to that story where I was listening to this guy named Oliver DeMille speak and he was talking about learning how to think, not what to think. And what I realized in that moment was while I worked hard and I gathered a lot of information over those three years, what I didn't do was get any form of real education that would benefit my life. I memorized a bunch of stuff mm -hmm. yeah. and that was it. So while that was good to an extent, it was hard work and it exercised my brain. Yeah. It didn't ultimately result in, you know, wisdom or education that would really benefit my life and, and those that I love. So when I heard Oliver say that, it, it changed me. And I really set from then on, on an alternative education path from there, from then on. And throughout my life since I've been in the, mostly in the alternative education, spent some time at a university, Southern Utah University as well, but I was kind of outside the box there as well. Yeah. And really trying to bring like truly learning how to think and not teaching students, here's what you need to do to pass the test, or here's what you need to do to, do to agree with me. So you mm -hmm. get it, you know what I mean? But instead yeah. challenge their thinking and get them to become better thinkers. Oh, Adam, That's... I love that. That's awesome. We've, yeah. uh, we're new to this, like alternative education, our family, yeah. like I just started homeschooling like a year and a half ago and we have a few, oh, at, like a private school that's kind of based off of that Oliver DeMille yeah. model. Yeah. 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 And it's, 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 it's kind of a hard paradigm shift, right? Like yeah. going from that public education model to that mind blowing of how to learn. Right. And yeah. It's interesting when you talk about that, because the other day I was talking to a teacher at the private school and he was like, maybe I should do assessments. And I said, because they do orals there um, mm -hmm. and each of those kids have learned something, but they never really present when they're up there speaking. It's different what they all learned within the, yeah. what they're learning, you know, but it applies right. to their life. Like you said, what right. they need to learn for their life. And yeah. I said, well, if you make the assessment and the test, it's what you think they should learn 
But if you watch the orals, they're learning what they need to learn, you know? So I just, I love what you said because it kind of reiterates, you know, these kids are learning what they need to learn and loving it along the way. Right. So I think one of the things that really kind of goes along with what she was saying is, uh, when we, cause as a parent, you sat in on a bunch of the orals as like a third person, right. That you were invited to do that. And one of the teachers actually, after the orals turned to the student and said, based on your presentation, you deserve a better grade than what I've given you. Mm-hmm. Like the, the work that she turned in maybe was, you know, subpar or whatever. Like it wasn't maybe her best right. work, but she had obviously learned and it was a history class, these yeah. amazing principles from principal from yeah. history that she had just, uh, just given out during that presentation. I, I love that idea because if, yeah. again, if you do like a standard assessment, you're going to miss out on some of this amazing learning that the kids actually did things that yeah. are going to stick with them. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Oh, that's fantastic. We, we have similar experiences here at Williamsburg where, you know, we'll do assessments on information to make sure that they have the right amount, but then we always match that with either written or oral exams mm-hmm. so that they really, what we're trying to do is give them the pen, so to speak, and let them teach. Yeah. yeah. Really in that teaching and so you show that we only remember about 10 to 20% of what we read, but we remember about 80% of what we teach. So mm-hmm. that's what we want them to do is to take all this information and now teach something that's meaningful from it. And that's what they'll actually remember. Yeah. I love that. That's love awesome. that, Adam. Yeah. yeah You've been great. working with Williamsburg Learning since 2010. What is the Le- Williamsburg Learning model of education? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So the TJ Ed model is really more um, a modus operandi model, which is, you know, um, really, again, teaching students how to think, not what to think. And I love that. And it, you know, sets forth a bunch of principles um, or keys, as he calls it, to to help you not essentially teach them, teach them what to think, essentially to, to inspire them and liberate them to, to learn how to think. So specifically, um, Williamsburg is a model built around two, it's really a hybrid model is the best way to describe it. We're a liberal arts school, but we're also combined with leadership training. And the difference there is a true liberal arts school that's fully liberal arts will often teach like Latin and Greek and really go even deeper into the ancient classics. And while I think that stuff is brilliant and wonderful, especially for middle school, high school, I think it's not necessary. Um, And what they really need. So the liberal arts model is designed, again, in part to uh, get you to read the originals. And Mm -hmm. if you do it with certain practices or modes of operation within that, you can teach students, I think, even better how to think, not what to think. Right. But then we want to match that with, with leadership training on the other side. So we kind of get rid of like the Latin and Greek and kind of some of that intensive stuff. And we instead focus on learning to live your life on purpose, learning more, especially on our middle school level, we're teaching a lot of morals and how to confront different situations in your life. You know, so we use the WIRA program, which is awesome. W-I-R-A, the WIRA, or or it stands for who I really am program throughout the middle school. And then in high school, we teach personal leadership, learning to lead yourself, social leadership, learning to lead yourself with others and in combination with others, leading groups and things like that. Then we teach college and uh, college leadership and career leadership in their junior year and um, um, and financial leadership and entrepreneurship, um, usually either in the second half of their junior year or in their senior year, depending on the student. 
And so we're teaching them to really lead their lives on purpose. So again, you know, not that there's anything wrong with learning the Latin and Greek and going that deep. For us, what we like to do is kind of borrow from the classics, use the classics, teach them how to think, now what to think, but also combine that with learning to lead their lives. The phrasing, learning how to think, not what to think, um, is, it really sounds really good. But in practice, what does that really, really mean, okay? It's literally teaching students to become better thinkers and the mechanics of better thinking. What you want to do to become a better thinker is you want to try to go against your theory. So it's good to have theories. You should have theories, but you want to try to disprove them. And one of two things will happen. Either one, you will disprove them, and then you know that that wasn't correct information. Or two, what you'll find is you can't disprove it, and then you really know you have something. Then it's a little bit more bulletproof, right? Because you've tried to disprove it, not try to prove it. Because in our day and age, you can go find lots of information to support almost anything, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. You just, you know, go to certain sources. You can, you know, you can find that anywhere. So what we do is we often worry more about sources. No, challenge it and see if you can disprove it. And that helps you to become a better thinker. So anyway, um, I, circling back to kind of our initial part of that conversation is at Williamsburg, what we're trying to do, it, again, is teach students how to think. We're teaching, and that's just one principle of many where we're showing them to become better thinkers. And if they mm -hmm. can learn to become better thinkers, gosh, they figure out stuff on standardized tests, which some of our students come from public school, right? So they're doing standardized testing, but they slaughter those tests and they do so well. Why? Because they're good thinkers in the first place. Uh -huh. And yeah. oftentimes they can think through the logic of the question and just go, oh, it must be this because they become better thinkers. Uh -huh. So that's the foundation is learning how to think and then they can kill standardized tests with don't prove a whole lot, in my opinion, right? <laughs> but they yeah. also become better thinkers in the world, in the workplace, in their family, in their home, right? And they don't yeah. get, you know, thrown to and fro with every new trend of thought that comes out. They can actually have a strong foundation because they know how to think. No, mm -hmm. I love that because they're not they're. I love how you said even we all want to try to be right, you know, yeah. but you're teaching them how not to be like does that like yeah. to not conform basically you know like yeah. to just think and uh, you know get their yeah own ideas and own you know i'm, I'm yeah. not explaining that very well but i love no, that you're great no that's exactly that we want we want our students to be better thinkers and we do believe the world needs better thinkers oh we, absolutely we've got enough problems in our world and yep. this generation needs to be prepared to face them and instead what we're so often doing is packing them with information and that's it. And they yeah. don't know what to do with that information. They don't sometimes don't even know how to fully categorize that information. And then it just becomes less useful and stuff they forget. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I actually read a book recently, Turn the Page by Chris Brady. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with that one, but we're actually reading books, bad books, like books you don't agree with are is huge like because yeah. you really you can and if you take that and go and learn why you disagree yeah. how much that solidifies and helps in yeah. learning and growing and in leadership. So I love that because. Well, and, yeah, and I think you, if part you can of it, prove why it's yeah. wrong, because there's a lot of things, you know, we just came from the public education system and there's a lot of things going on that I don't disagree that I disagree with, but sometimes it was hard to explain why, why I disagree. I just, it doesn't feel right. But if I can actually prove or dis or be yeah. able to express why I disagree. And that's why. Yeah. Well, and I think it also leads to better growth because we may have faulty thinking, yeah. right? 
And so if we go out on this discovery of, you know, if we don't confront things that challenge us, right, challenge our right. thinking, that's not a very strong position to right. have any kind of a moral basis at all, yeah. right? And so allowing our, our thinking to be challenged is actually a really good thing because if I'm, if I'm wrong, I want to know. Yeah. Right. I mean, but not everybody wants to know that. And that, yeah. that's the difference. Because it's uncomfortable, right? Yeah. yeah it's it uncomfortable really if you're anchored in, I need to be right. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that we really train our students to do among many, but is instead of anchoring in wanting to be right, anchor in curiosity. Yeah. yeah. And I'm open, right? If you think you already know something, you're not going to learn. Yeah. Right. If you're like, hmm, there might be something here that I can learn from. Right. One of my mentors in college, he did this on purpose to me. He was kind of messing with me a little bit, but he was trying to teach me a lesson. He literally, he, I was like this very passionate patriot, you know, American, you know, 17 year old. And he assigned me no joke to read the communist manifesto. Uh -huh. And, and he assigned me to read that. Cause he's like, I want you to understand the logic in that. And I came away realizing, oh, I don't agree with these conclusions, these, these, um, this system of governance, it's centralizing too much power and that I, you know, I can see why that would be a, not a good thing, but it had some good criticisms of the current system. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, now yeah. I get it. Now I can have a conversation with, let's say a socialist or a communist and really understand where they're coming from and even agree to a point, just not agree with their solution, which yeah. would be centralizing power into the hands of the few. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, um, we met with uh, when our very first podcast that we aired was with Mount Liberty, who has mm -hmm. a couple of professors from George with yeah, yeah. Uh, that started that. And they said like this this semester in their like financial class, they're reading Das Kapital, but also the wealth yeah. of nations. So oh, they right can on. compare and contrast the two different things. And um, yeah. me working for, you know, the Libertas Institute, I would have rather them done like an Austrian economics book, but yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> some Mises or some, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but having that kind of those two conflicting ideas, I think that's when you can realize like, I don't know. We're all fallible human beings. And, yeah. and to think that we're always right, I think is, is, I think that's flawed thinking all the time. I I'm willing to be wrong, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's that, the humility. Or I want that's... to at least be willing to be wrong. It's kind yeah. of pride and humility cycle, right? Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that's actually one of my favorite things about Hayek, the human being, just like he was so open to yeah. always <laughs> learning and he changed his mind throughout his career, which shows to me that he was a real thinker not, Hey, this is what I think. And now I'm going to stick with it forever just because I've already written a book on that. Or uh, yeah. Yeah. The, really the humble part. Yeah. Yeah. So during your discovery of alternative education models, yeah. what have been some of your favorite models of learning? Yeah. You know, so really, um, okay. So there's kind of two parts to this. There's like yeah. the modes of operation of learning. Yeah. Um, which vary and should vary because there's so we're all different types of learners, you know, kinesthetic learners, you know, which is more, you know, more hands-on where there's auditory learners, right? There's written learners. There's lots of different types of learning and modes of operations that match that. So some people can sit in a lecture and just love it. I've heard some right. of the greatest lecturers, right? And it can be brilliant and wonderful. And other people, it just does not work for them, right? Yeah. So you know, there's lots of different modes of operation at Williamsburg. We have six different kind of modes of operation that we employ. 
um, Socratic questioning. So we'd use the Socratic method, discussion and things like that around the books that we're reading, you know, frequently. We use engaging pre presentation lecturing, but we try to keep them five to 10 minutes. We can't try to keep those short and succinct. One uh -huh. idea that you kind of lecture on and then you build from there. Go into project-based learning. That's more of your hands-on, you know, type of learning. We also, there's a, an emotional element of learning. So we have a couple elements in our, in our six mental practices. Connection is one and yeah. quality feedback is another where you're really digging in one-on-one -on -one with someone. You're connecting with them as a human being and then you're creating quicker feedback loops because you're one-on-one -on -one and you do that with them. So we always have lots of office hours and tutoring labs and things like that available for our students because we want them to be able to do that. And our last one is called transformational learning, which is more of the experiential space. So there, there's a lot of, so those are kind of our six mentor practices, but they really cover the major areas. And what we try to do is actually employ them all, the major mm -hmm. modes of operation of education, because we really don't think that one child learns one way, that we all learn different ways, that we all learn in a combination of ways, you know what I mean? So we want to vary that and we vary it to the curriculum too, because certain programs like STEM actually is better hands-on. Whereas other programs like history, you know, some more lecture and some more presentation and student presentation is better in that space, right? So we kind of vary it to the curriculum as well. Then there's a lot of branded edu um, um, education styles, if you will, out yeah. there that um, are some version of those, those modes of operation, right? TJ Ed uh, leans heavily on a um, Socratic questioning reading and discussion, which I love, I, you know, yeah. that's a, that, that sings to my soul. Cause that's how I learn mostly, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But a lot of other systems, um, you know, like Montessori is much more hands-on and experiential, you know what I mean? So there's lots of different programs out there. You know, I'm partial to, um, um, not one specific program or anything like that, but really just stepping back as a mentor or teacher and thinking, what is the best way to get students to learn this? What we're what we're covering, yeah. you know, and then and purposely vary it enough to where you're getting all your students engaged in it. You know what I mean? But yeah. also look at the content and how is that best presented. So I tend to go to you know what are the modes of operation of education and employ those per what you're actually teaching. Yeah. And I think, you know, for parents out there who are listening, if you're looking for a school, that's what actually what I would look for personally and mm -hmm. have looked for for my son. What I go looking for is a school that isn't trying to follow a particular philosophy, but instead is varying their modes of operation mm -hmm. and is wanting to utilize those modes of operation in pursuit of knowledge. Then, then, you know, then that child will have a great experience because frankly, you don't know, especially when your kids are young, truly what their personality is fully going to become, what their learning yeah. types will become. And sometimes when they're younger, they tend to lean on more experiential and hands-on. But as they get older, that changes. And But other kids are different from that, of course, as well. So look for a program that really varies their modes of operation, modes of teaching, and uh, utilizes that. And then you'll have a program that I think is just that much more thoughtful as well. Uh -huh. yeah. Well, and I think that really aligns at least with my my philosophy of how education is. And that and that's grown quite a bit over the last couple of years for sure for me. But the idea that, you know, A, parents do know their children, but each child is an individual. I mean, we have five kids ourselves. And so anybody who has more than one child 
and and doesn't work with children quickly realizes that not all children are the same, right? I mean, our oldest child and our second child, they are completely their own people and they need different things from an education system too, right? And it's just, I think that's a- Which is the tragedy of our modern education system that 98% of students are in a system that is really similar across the board and doesn't vary its styles. And no wonder it's failing 30 to 40% of the kids every year. And even the, another 30% are not doing amazing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's is a 30% that is doing wonderfully well, Yeah. but it fits them. Right. So that should say, we need alternative ed. We need a varied, you know, we need a lot of different types of education for these students. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because our oldest, yeah. It was like, trying to keep fitting her in that mold you know and then when we finally had our mind-blowing what education could be be, it's how much she's growing yeah oh i love that yeah so and it's never too late right it really isn't no no it's never too late and they you know for parents out there who are listening as well like you might have a child who's struggling don't worry about it that's actually a really good learning lesson for them and making a change for them finding what fits and then that blossoming is going to be something that they will cherish their whole life over. So don't worry about it. You got to experiment with different forms, see what works. And finally they'll find their fit. Well, and our child, she's a junior this year, you know, like that people might think that's late, but you should see the light in her eyes about, and I think we tend to think as a society, they need to sit it be in order to be successful. It needs to be a certain job, right? Like, or a certain yeah. Or she's happy with doing nails and, you know, like yeah. things like that. So there's, yeah. I mean, there's a world of possible, you know, it's. It really is. Possibilities. Yeah. Good it's, for her. And that light in her eyes is, is the key, right? That's what yeah. you want. That's, yeah. that's where yeah. you can pump your arm as a parent and be like, that's what we want. It doesn't matter what they end up doing because we need lots of different people doing lots of different things. Exactly. What we want them to feel is confidence and inspired and know that they can learn. And yeah. then they'll, and they'll change careers throughout their life. They'll do so many different Which things. Which is fine. That's another mind blow. Why do we have to fit like one career our whole life? You know, like John's made a career change and is, he loved yeah. what he did before teaching, you know, but now yeah. he's loving this. Like, yeah. why do we have to be stuck. Why can't we always be becoming, you know? And and the truth is, according to the research that I've read, the average American changes careers six times throughout their life. But yet we create a system that says, let's narrow down to this one thing and you pick that and go with it. That's just, some people do, but it's maybe 10, 20%. Most people change careers and that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even just the call, a lot of people think you need college. Everyone needs college, but what is the number? 70% don't even use their degree. Like, you know, so it's just, there's so much out there and yeah. yeah. We need to create a culture of always learning. Oh, I love that. We're starting to shift to that. We're starting to get more certifications out there. It's like, oh, you want to do that? Here's a certification. Don't go do a four-year degree or a two-year master's. Do this three, six-month certification and you'll learn everything you need to know for that and go for it. And then heck, three years, five years, 10 years later, do another certification and do something else or go deeper with more certifications in that field. Yeah. Yeah. Even that profession, if you need to change something within it, you know, to go and if you know how to learn, you can go and learn and better even within that. Yeah. And and there's actually a push within, and I, I mean, I do a lot of research within the education field, but micro credentialing is what they're calling it now, where you're taking like, like you said, like maybe a 
sometimes it's even just a three week course in a very specific thing that gives you this micro credential so that you can maybe do this other little thing that's kind of niche within a a certain field. Right. Right. And and just, but it's a, this is really small things. And I think it also opens up a lot of opportunity for people who don't know what they want to be when they grow up. Right. I mean, that's a lot less of a financial burden to do a a three to six month course than a a three to six year course in college. Right. And so it's true. And going back, I love how Williamsburg is starting that model for the kids of, you know, teaching them how to learn so that they can be, like you say, lifelong learners and just always growing. Yeah. The biggest surprise of my entire life, honestly, has been for some reason, I don't know why I thought this, but I just sort of thought you reach your twenties, you get married and you're sort of baked. You're sort of like, you're done progressing and changing now you help your kids do that and and so you know what i mean yeah but, and the weird thing is is you keep progressing and changing you just yeah. through your 30s through your 40s you just keep going and gosh life would be so boring if you weren't yeah so exactly. let's let's help them become learners so they can enhance that throughout their lives instead of yeah. fear. Yeah. well and i'm sure you just being with the kids and like me homeschooling I'm still, I'm like with them and I'm like, I never learned that. Like I'm learning, you yeah. know, like know. I'm learning right along there with them. Like yeah. English rules I wasn't taught as a child or, yeah. you know, and it's mind blowing. Like, oh, now I know why that word is pronounced that way. It sounds dumb, but I'm just, I'm like, I love, there's excitement and enlightenment to learning and it's awesome. Yeah. I, and, I uh, hate the term retiring now anymore. Cause I'm yeah. like, yeah. why do we even put our old people in this? Like Go live in an assisted you're living done. and yeah. you're yeah. done. You're done being a benefit to society. Yeah. Be right. mentors and yeah. they can still learn. So, I couldn't agree more. I've been homeschooling my son as well. And and it's almost like you get two educations. You get your, you know, education as a kid growing up. Uh-huh. And then you get to sort of do it with them. And there's you have so much more context now for all of these things. Yeah. You know, simple things. Like we're yeah. you know, working on like, you know. Uh, fractions and decimals and we're learning how to times them and you know and and uh-huh. I'm like oh, yeah I forgot how to do that I'm learning <laughs> yeah. it again and I'm like oh that would actually be useful in this way uh-huh. you now have context instead of yeah. just learning some rules yeah. you know yeah well and going back to that memorization we did things but we necessarily didn't know why and then having those ahas of it yeah. like in math like oh that's why we that's the rule yeah. like the concept behind yeah. it thank you for listening to part one of our conversation with Adam Hailstone We hope you will join us next week when we discuss the different modes of teaching that Williamsburg uses. Please also remember to like and share this podcast with those around you that will help us to grow our audience. Thank you for listening to the Diamond Education Podcast. You can connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. At Diamond Education, D-I-M-O-N-D, or on our website, diamonded.com.